0: I just am so glad everybody's here. I see a bunch of new faces and welcome. Just glad you're part of our family. Now, just a little reminder here. uh, I know it's morning and we're probably thinking about, oh, there's a Broncos game or I get my coffee or what's going on, but this can definitely be an interactive church service. It always can. You are always welcome to agree with me and say amen and yeah, man, and that's good and Sometimes I say amen and you have to respond, but you can do that anytime, you're free, this is our family, we love that you're here and you can do that. So that being said, amen, Amen. I'm going to dive in. As you can see, the title of today's message is, The Gospel Applies to Parenting. And now, a number of you are here today and you're not a parent. You're apparently... (laughs) Oh, maybe I shouldn't have said that, Lord. (laughs) Some of you are not parents. Or maybe your parents and your children have grown up. Right? And that's fine. Parenting still matters to every single one of us in this church. Parenting matters to every single one of us in this church. Most of us... I think most of us in this room are parents or at least one of them will one day be parents i'm looking at you single guys in launch pad and frankly the next generation of our church is our kids you know when i go through uh you know we don't really keep membership roles here Because we don't really put gold stars next to people's names or anything like that. About one third of our church is kids under the age of 18. And so even if you're not a parent, and maybe someday you will be by God's grace, or maybe someday you won't be by God's grace, it's still important for us all to think about parenting and what's going on in this church so that we can help others who are parents and understand where others who are parents are going. Now, I also want to start today sharing a little bit about why I am not qualified to teach about parenting. And I'm going to give you my reasons for why I'm not qualified for parenting. Here's the first one. Oh, wait, no, that's not it. That's, I'll get back to that. Here's my first reason. This is my oldest son, Reeve. He's 12. This is his, him on his first day a couple weeks ago, starting seventh grade, Amen Reeve, obviously we love all of our kids. Reeve is a, a master at memorization and organization. And he has a real skill of, of putting things together and remembering things, and he, not quite in the walking encyclopedia way, but in a real thoughtful way. And we really appreciate Reeve. Second son is here. This is Josiah. You could tell with his smile in this picture captures everything about him he's a passionate guy and he loves with passion and he wears his heart on his sleeve and we love that about him and there's our eldest daughter Scarlett here Scarlett has the biggest heart and she cares for her brothers she cares for her sister. she cares for her family and her friends she is a sweet child and she cares about Jesus too And here's Max, he's six. Max is our artist. (laughs) And our thinker. And he does everything very deliberately. And so you look at these stickers on his face and it says, awesome, upside down on his nose. I can guarantee you he did that on purpose. There's nothing he does that's not on purpose. And well thought out. And then here's our Kellen. He's four. The picture says so it's like I captured this picture because he's quietly reading a book he's our comedian and he's usually laughing and making noise and this, so this was a rare moment but he also loves very deeply and we got our baby our baby Evie we don't actually take her places in the cooler <laughs> but she's sweet she's just seven months old and um, lots of smiles and lots of love and and so I say I'm not qualified, and I'm not an expert on parenting. I didn't, I didn't set out for this. I didn't set a goal of having these six children. I really, most days, I think, Christian and I look at each other and go, what are we doing? <laughs> we haven't finished this game. We haven't, we haven't run the race. We're running it. And so we're not experts on this. And so I'm not speaking this morning from a place of expertise. I just wanted to kind of get that out of the way and then we saw that slide there and brad talked about it a little while ago about the conference that we have coming up in two weeks and of course anybody is welcome to that even if you don't have children or don't yet have children you're welcome to come to that it's free it's going to be right here those guys steve and kathleen they are experts and they really do have something to share from the holy spirit for all of us on parenting so if you can please make plans to be with us on that and so today I thought what I would do is just share a couple of my thoughts on parenting. And I think these couple of thoughts really would apply to all of us, wherever we're at in life. And we'll do it just kind of in that context of parenting. So here's my first thought, is that the goal of parenting is to worship Jesus. Biblically speaking, of course, I mean, the world says, oh, you know, parenting, we've got to keep him s- safe and healthy and get him to adulthood. Yeah, that's fine. But when the Bible, when we look at the Bible, it tells us that the goal of parenting is to worship Jesus. And so I think in all things, we have to ask the question who am I seeking to please? Who am I seeking to please? And I think we can just very easily say, oh yeah, I'm, I'm seeking to please God, right? God, oh yeah, I'm God, I'm going to please God, that's what I do. But is that really true? Let's think about our parenting, those of you who are parents. Who are you trying to please? And I came up with some options of these times in my life where I've tried to please these people. Am I trying to please my spouse? Am I parenting in such a way to please my spouse? How about my friends? I want to look good for my friends. What about my parents? They have definite distinct views on parenting don't they am I trying to please them what about my kids a lot of times we parent for the sake of our kids and what do they want and let me try to please them what about my coworkers? what about my neighbors I want to make sure I look good for the neighbors what about my pastors I want to make sure Greg and Brad don't look at us and say what's up with that family <laughs> we don't do that by the way what about my extended family about my club whatever your club is whatever your circle is we can all walk in this world where we go I am trying to please these people whether we set out and intend to do that or not and you know what look at this list these are all good people and they all probably want good things from us and so pleasing them in some way we're we're doing good things to please good people And so I can think when I'm doing this and I'm pleasing these people and doing this thing, I think I'm on the right track because I'm doing good things to please good people. But we got to ask this question. We talked about this last week. What is the gospel? What is the good news? What is the good news? Well, we talked about this verse last week. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 8. It says, This grace was given given me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ. As we talked about last week, the gospel is Jesus Christ. The good news is the person of Jesus Christ, and in him are the boundless riches that we are going after. And we are to be disciples who pursue this, the boundless riches of Christ. And so what does it mean to go after those boundless riches that include things like forgiveness, from death and the penalty of sin, that include salvation from hell and salvation into heaven, that include a right relationship with the creator, the fruit of the spirit, and so on and so forth. What does it take? What does it take to go after those boundless riches of Christ? Well, Jesus himself told us in Matthew chapter 13, verses 44 to 46, he says this, he says, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then, in his joy, went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. Do you catch the concept here? If we're going to go after the boundless riches of Christ, we have to give up Everything. And it's worth it. It's worth it. And so what does it mean to become a pauper or a slave or a servant of Christ? What does it mean to do that? What does it mean to go after Jesus with all of my heart? Well, another way to say that is to worship Jesus. We are worshiping him. He calls us to give everything up to worship him. And so if I've got to be ready to give it all up, Can I worship Jesus and still strive to please others? Can I still strive to please others? Well, let's look at what Paul says in Galatians chapter 1. He says, am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would what? Not be a servant of Christ. Well, there's the answer. I cannot worship Jesus and strive to please men. So my goal should be to please God alone. Now he goes on in Galatians chapter 3, verses 2 to 3. He says, did you receive the spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Having begun by the spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? What does he mean here? Well, a lot of us, we understand this concept of, oh, I'm, all I have to do is receive the gospel, and I'm saved, and I'm right before God, and I get to go to heaven. But then we start to fall back into the old pattern, which is a pattern of what we call works righteousness, of doing good things to please good people. And that's what Paul is saying. Having begun by the Spirit, having begun by believing, are you now being perfected are you now living your life out trying to do good works to please good people and so my goal in pleasing god if i'm striving worshiping jesus and i should please god alone i'm not doing it out of self promotion i'm not doing it out of fear i'm not doing it because i'm trying to get my relationship with god right I'm doing it because i love him and out of worship so when it comes to parenting our kids, our goal must be to please God by making worship of Jesus the core of our parenting. You guys know I love this verse. I have it written on a little rock that's sitting on my desk. I've had it since I was about six years old. First Corinthians 10, 1 Corinthians 10.1 Whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Parenting included in all? It is. Parenting is included in all. And so we are not trying to please good people by doing good things. We are aiming to please God out of love for him. Now, some of you might say, hold on, hold on, time out, time out. What about... Proverbs 22.6, train up a child in the way he should go and when he is old he will not depart from it. Well, that's in the scripture and that's obviously true. And so, we come to that verse and we go, ah, shouldn't I have a desire to win with my kids? Shouldn't I have a desire and a plan and a method to train them up to do the right thing? Well, obviously, winning with our kids is good. We want our kids to be, what, all kinds of things you can think of. healthy, We want them to be smart, maybe. We want them to be mature. We want them to be balanced. We want them to be disciples of Jesus. And we could go on with what we want of our kids. But there's a nuance here that can trip us up. Why? Why do I want them to be all of those things? Why am I parenting to win with my kids? Why am I parenting to win with my kids and you need to ask yourself this question are you doing it for the sake of others or are you doing it out of worship of Jesus are you doing it to please others or are you doing it to worship Jesus sometimes i think we can even do it for our kids sake i want to win with my kids for the sake of my kids and sometimes we can take this attitude And and I kind of think about it like sometimes we think that, oh, I got to do all of this stuff for my kid because maybe he's the next Michael Phelps. Everybody knows who Michael Phelps is, I hope, right? Maybe he's the next greatest Olympian of all time. And if I don't put him in the swimming pool, we'll never know. Is that a decision made in faith or fear? Fear made out of fear to say I got to put them in the pool I got to try all this stuff because I might miss it no we trust God we trust God with our kids we worship God in our parenting in the end as a parent as I worship Jesus the results are up to God they're not up to me and the results become a goal not the object the object of my parenting is not the results the object of my parenting is Jesus Christ Amen. And ultimately, what reinforces this is we recognize that our kids, our kids ultimately stand before God for the decisions they make with their life. I don't know if you're like me and you know a number of people who've, who've grown up and uh, they've grown up in situations that are not godly. To not have the influence of Christ and yet they've come to adulthood and they've made the decision to follow Jesus and worship him and be saved. And you probably are also like me and you know other people who have been raised in a godly home and, and given all of the spiritual opportunities and all the information and yet as adults they turn the other way. So as a parent we can we can strive for it and and have a goal of these things But the object of our parenting needs to be worship of Jesus Christ. So my second thought that stems from that is I believe parents should connect their physical family to a spiritual family. And you've heard me talk about this a lot. I ring this bell a lot because I think it's so important because I've seen it be important in my own life. And so I'm going to ask us a series of questions here I'll put them on the screen. Here's the first question Does God desire that we be united with other believers on the journey? We probably would intuitively say, Yeah, but many of us go, Really? I don't know. Here's a couple of verses to think about Psalm 133 1. How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. Well, we can't live together in unity unless we're together. So there's a call there. Go to Hebrews 10, 24 to 25. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. I love this, right? He doesn't say, keep meeting together. He says, don't give up meeting together. Because our tendency as people is to start something and then fall off. It takes work, doesn't it? And so I think we can answer this question. Does God desire that we be united with other believers on the journey? From these two verses alone, not to mention all the other ones. Yes. God does desire that we be united with other believers on this journey. So now let's talk about our enemies. First one is the devil. Does the devil want us to be united as believers? No. We know this verse in John 10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. The thief it's talking about is our enemy. And Satan wants us to be disunited. I think sometimes we get in this mindset where we go, oh, Satan, his goal is basically just to, he, he wants to ruin my life, and the way that's going to show up is, I'm going to just have a, a life that turns into a total disaster. That's the only way Satan's going to get what he wants. But sometimes I think the simplest thing Satan has to do is disunite us. And he's gotten his own little victory. So we've got to be on the lookout for this. So does the devil want us to be united? No, of course not. He wants us to be disunited. Now what about the world? Our second enemy, the world. Does the world encourage united families? I don't think so I think as I look around and I think about When I was a kid and the number of Opportunities there were for activities There was a lot And now I have kids And it's like there's an exponential Number more activities Available for our kids And the goal seems to be Take your kids and separate Them from your family And the the world seems to want us running around doing this and that and the other thing and this whole sort of plethora of activities. It doesn't say, yes, stay together, be united, be committed, be together. It encourages individualism. And so, no, the world wants to divide families. Now, what about our flesh? Does our flesh point us towards fellowship with other believers? No. No. It doesn't. Example that comes to mind is something I, I did this week. A number of you know I uh, I, I, I did a half marathon recently, and I, I decided that you know what I got all this training, ran a couple hundred miles to get ready for this. Why don't I do another one while I'm all sort of trained out? So I'm running another one next week, and so I'm continuing to run and train. And the so Thursday comes along, and I was going to take a little run, and my wife says, "Hey, why don't you put the baby in the jog stroller?" And go push the jog stroller on your run And I thought that sounds like a fun time To bond with a little seven month old Or something See running is a very Those of you who run I know some of you are here and run Some of you think of pain and suffering And I mentioned running Running is a very individual sport and you go out and you run however many miles, one or ten or a hundred, whatever you run, it's very individual. And you're very much within yourself. It's kind of like life. All of us are individuals in some sense and we're running. Tell you what, I was pushing that baby and I, I made it less than a mile and I was like, why am I doing this? <laughs> I can't move both my arms strollers going all over there's cars and traffic I'm stressing out it's like can I turn around and go home I'm used to running many miles and I hadn't even made a mile and that's what it can be like when it comes to family we add this family we add a spouse we add children and we go oh this is not as easy as it was when it was just me And I think that's our flesh. Our flesh wants it to be easy. Our flesh wants us to be alone. Our flesh wants us to do things individually. I know Rich, and he'll be here next week sharing his thoughts about parenting in the the run-up to the parenting conference. And he says, he uses this proverb, I don't know where he gets this proverb from. It's not from the Bible, but I like it. He says, if you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, go together. And I think the world just wants us to go fast. The flesh wants us to go fast. I can just be alone. I can do it myself. I got my thing. I'll go fast. But that's not the fellowship that God desires for us. And so no, our flesh deflects us into being individuals. So we'd say this. If the enemy wants to disunite us, if the world wants to divide us, and our flesh wants to deflect us, Will it take work to worship Jesus by joining a spiritual family, or will it just happen? It's going to take work, obviously. And that work, I've found, in my experience, comes in small decisions. See, I don't think anyone sets out to say, I want to be distant from spiritual fellowship, But it's like we start out here and our spiritual fellowship is going this way and we have to constantly make choices. But you make one little choice and it moves you away. And then it's easier to make another choice and another choice and another choice. And over time you go, I'm not united with my spiritual fellowship because you've made little choice after little choice after little choice after little choice and you're no longer united. So for families, the challenge is to unite And that challenge is magnified because each person you add to your family is another whole set of relationships that you have to manage and organize and connect. And it's hard. Trust me, I know it's hard. It is hard to do this. It is hard to make these small decisions. And so I want to give you a couple thoughts, five simple things. When we think about our church, the firehouse church, how can I... In my family, whether you're single or whether you're a big family, how can I unite with the firehouse church? I'm gonna give you five things you can do. And they're all very simple. They don't take a scholar or a rocket scientist. That's what it takes. First, show up regularly. This seems like kind of a no-brainer. But I can't tell you how many times there's been somebody who says, well, we're moving on from the church because I just didn't feel like anybody ever connected with me. And I say, how often did you show up? Oh, once every six weeks. Really? Just show up. Just show up. And we have all these opportunities. Poor Brad, he had to give twenty minutes of announcements this morning just to tell you all the things we're doing. <laughs> Welcome back, Brad. <laughs> <laughs> we have Sunday mornings, we have gospel groups, we have Cafe Bebe, a mom's time on every other Friday. We have Mercy Ministry. We have all kinds of opportunities for you to just show up. Show up regularly. But that's a small choice. And you got to keep making that small choice. Second thing you can do is you can open your home to others. Never underestimate the power of sharing a simple meal together. Or holidays. I don't mean you got to give up your family, Christmas, Labor Day. Hey, get together and have a barbecue, have someone over, have a game night. Spend time, life on life. Open your home. Don't make your home closed. Open it up. Invite others into it. Multiply your time. You know, when I was in college, and you lived in a, a community, in the dorms, it was very easy to just be like, hey, I want to do something. That guys over there. We'll go do something. It becomes more and more challenging the more you have life and family and kids and things going on. But you can multiply your time. Look for ways to do things together. Kid wants to play sports? Ask somebody else in the church. Hey, your kid's about the same age. You want to come do that thing too with us? What about vacations or camping? Had some amazing vacations. Went to Hawaii with these guys. Ron wants to go on vacation with me back there. (laughs) Go camping. You like camping? There's other people here who like camping. I'm probably not one of them, but you can invite somebody to go camping with you. Multiply your time. Those things you were going to do anyway. See if someone else will go do it with you. There's another one. Ask for help and advice. I hear this a lot too. Well, nobody understood my needs or what was going on. Did you ask? Did you say, hey, I have this need or I need some help. Could you help me? We're not experts. If I'm not the expert, probably none of us are experts, right? But you can ask And we can have a conversation and a dialogue and connect our lives that way. And here's another one. This one I think is probably the most challenging. And we've talked about this before, but it's the idea of saying no to other good things. There's so many options. There's so much good stuff out there. There's so many things that you call it's great and it's so good. But is it the best thing? It's a small choice to say no. It's a small choice to decide that you can't do it all and that you're going to do the important stuff. There are so many people, this is another thing, sometimes you have to say no to good people. And you have somebody who, oh, that would be a great friendship and they're they're wonderful and fantastic, but... They're, they're in a whole different spiritual realm. They're trying to run with a different group of people. A different church. A different place. And you go, you know what? Sometimes you just have to say no. So that you can say yes and invest in the ones who are part of your spiritual family. And so those are just five things. I could probably think of five or ten more. But those are ways I would encourage you. Whether you're a parent and you have a family. Or whether you... Uh, your kids are grown, or whether you're a single, uh, or you don't have any kids and you're a couple, these are some things I think all of us can do to be united together, to lead our families, to work together as families to connect together so again, like I said, I'm no expert on parenting, these are just a couple of my thoughts I wanted to share this morning and again, Rich will be here next week um, to share his thoughts and and what he's going on. And then that'll lead up into that parenting conference. If you have any questions about the conference. I'd love to chat with you about it. I'm really looking forward to having those guys here. I'll go ahead and pray. And close our time this morning. And God I thank you. For the simplicity of the gospel. I thank you for the, the good news. Of Jesus Christ. And God that. It, it just amazes me that in one single person you could put boundless immeasurable riches that we could go after and God when I think about Jesus I go wow that is where I want to give my life that's where I want my worship to go so God for those of us who are parents here this morning Lord, help us to refocus it's so easy God, I just confess in my own life, I get distracted by trying to parent to please others. Lord, help us to be seeking to worship you as the core goal of our parenting. And Lord, help us to be connected together in that as a church family. Help us to make these small decisions so that we can be united. So that we can join together. God I truly believe you have put us in a place In a time where spiritual family Is going to become more and more And more important And yet the world And the flesh and the devil are going to be pulling us Harder and further Away From that Help us to make small decisions Help us to lean on one another Help us to worship you With our lives In the name of Jesus we pray Amen.